Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. WWE and SmackDown paying tribute to not only Bray Wyatt, but also Terry Funk on this very difficult to talk about in a review capacity episode of SmackDown, because there's not a whole lot that happened on the show as it was one of those tribute type shows where you just got some long matches and there wasn't a lot of storyline progression in a number of them, but that's okay because that's not what the show was about. Show is about coming together, and coming together, the WWE roster did. I am your host, Tempest, of the WrestleTalk podcast, SmackDown Review, this week. I am joined by the lovely and wonderful Sat E. Niangi. Sat, what's causing all this? Yes, uh, happy Saty day to everyone. It's Sat E. time, but before we start, a little fuse. I want to say uh, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are in this world. Um, the last few days has been difficult. So if you're going for a rough time, I'm hoping that our videos on our respective YouTube channel, wherever it's been, our Parts of Unknown, No Rose Bard, Talk News, Talk Podcast, I hope it's offering everyone some solace. Uh, we're all in this together. Um, reach out to someone that you love and that you know. Let them know you love them. I always let my mum and... Well, I used to let my mom know I love her every day, but I live with my partner. I let her know every day that I love her. <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's a thing I do. Every day before I leave my house, I will say I love you. It's the last thing to come out of my mouth because you never know when it's your last day and you want that, you want your last words to be something nice and not something douchey. Like, um, we ran out of milk. You butt wipe. <laughs> <laughs> you don't want that to be your last word. So yeah. Uh, yeah, reach out to people. Be kind to each other because uh, I've been talking about this with Tempest. Every time I go on the former Twitter the app for me known as Twitter, I'd see someone complaining about something and let's not, form a, let's not focus on the negative. Tomorrow is all in. I know we're not meant to talk about it because we're talking about WWE stuff. I just want to focus on good things. Let's all just band together and focus on something positive. So what's causing all this is in the wrestling world, we lost two uh, incredible legends. One that's been around for like 50 plus years and another one that's been around for, I don't know, close to, I want to say 14, 15 years. Each of them have impacted us in different ways. Uh, each of them resonate with us in different ways. 
and it, it it's it sucks in its capacity how you know we're going to talk about them in the former in the past tense because especially in the in Bray Wyatt there's so much more they they, they could have uh, offered us there, there's more in the story to go but we're going to do our best in this uh podcast to pay tribute to them like Tempest said, there ain't a lot to talk about in terms of storyline, but it, it's not going to stop us from talking about our, our memories or, you know, even having a general conversation. I mean, that's what people enjoy about us. They enjoy our takes and our conversational pieces. So I hope we can offer that to you guys. So, yeah, that's what's causing all this. Hell yeah. So, of course, please do make sure that you give this video a thumbs up. Subscribe to the Wrestle Talk podcast channel if you haven't already. And let us know in the comments down below what your favorite memories of either Bray Wyatt or Terry Funk or both are. Because, my goodness, they made a lot of them. Mm -hmm. So this show, of course, started with an address from Michael Cole alerting us all that we have indeed lost two members of the WWE family this week, Terry Funk and Bray Wyatt. And they did their ceremonial 10-bell salute for both of them, the entire roster on the stage. Braun Strowman was there. He's out recovering from injury. Eric Rowan was there, yeah. who we haven't seen in WWE in quite some time. Obviously very ti uh, closely tied to Bray Wyatt, coming up in the Wyatt family. Both of them did. And this was very emotional, very difficult, of course. They rang the bell ten times. The fans had their cell phones out, the fireflies in the crowd. They had... The rocking chair on the ramp. And they put a little spotlight on the rocking chair as the crowd sang, he's got the whole world in his hands. And it was a very nice way to open up the show, uh, especially paired with the Bray Wyatt video package that immediately followed this, which, again, was one of their best. They, they are very, very good at this sort of thing of mm -hmm. putting together these video packages, especially to celebrate someone. You come away from them with nothing but love in your heart for the person that they are spotlighting. And in this case, it was Bray Wyatt. They did a short one for Terry Funk afterwards, uh, but his tribute video came later in the show. But that's how it opened. And as we said off the top, there wasn't a whole lot to this episode of SmackDown. There were a few long matches. And for the most part, it was supposed to kind of be just like a, a feel-good show as much as possible. Where it didn't need to be complicated. You didn't need a bunch of angles or backstage promos and vignettes or whatever the case may be. Interviews. This was just, let's send out some baby faces to get wins and I think that was the right decision to make. There weren't backstage, uh, sit down, talk to the camera tributes like we've seen on tribute shows in the past. So it was mostly stuff in the ring. I think there was one backstage interview on the whole show. And that was when Damage Control was asked uh, by Caleb Braxton. And that's about it. So we'll go through the rest of this show. But I think the most important thing that we can talk about here is just our memories of Bray Wyatt, because that's what this show was all about. Mm. You and I haven't gotten a chance to properly sit down and just address this thing yet on a podcast format, no. where we can just kind of talk about Bray Wyatt, talk about what that's meant, um, and we can talk about Terry Funk as well, because Lord knows, my goodness, these things 
don't tend to come in just ones. No. You know, everybody's shocked about losing Bray Wyatt, but that the wound of losing Terry Funk is still incredibly fresh. So, and even Jay Briscoe to this day, I, I can't like the, the 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 trilogy of match with FTR. I've only seen two. The third one, I, I, I was gonna take my time, and then when he died, I was like, I, I can't even approach it. I, I need some time. When it comes to morning wrestlers, it, it's it's quite hard because uh, Eddie Guerrero's one was big. I remember because when I was younger, Owen Hart's death happened. I found that later on because I was out of wrestling for a bit and then I heard about this Blue Blazer guy and then I was like, oh, Owen Hart was Blue Blazer. I was like, what? And obviously I was mourning in retrospect, you know, the year I found out that he died. It was, it was the same year he died, but I found out like months later. But Eddie Guerrero, that was like real time. You know, I was a teenager. I was... Um, I was 15 years old, so 2005, 15 years old. Me and my friends, we huddled in the corner crying, sobbing heavily. And since then, you know, I've been quite, I've, I've kind of numbed myself to, to death because in, in real life, you know, we, we, we've lost friends and stuff like that. So you're you kind of like, you want to, because the, the tears, the floodgates, when it opens, it opens, you know, you know what I'm saying? So I've done my hardest to like, whenever legends die, I'm like, oh, you know, when Piper died, when Dusty died, I, I, I held it in because I was like, I don't want to let it go because the, these are childhood heroes of mine as well, but I just don't want to get there. But then when Brody Lee died, that opened the floodgates because for many reasons, because he was on the run of his career, you know, a mysterious illness, the kind of illness to this day, still not explain what happened to him. You've got young kids that opened up the floodgates for me and that was hard. And yeah, I let go, I cried. And then, the Jay Briscoe situation as well. That woke up on Twitter one day, he passed away, and you're like, he was just in a great tag team match that I was looking forward to to watch. And then Terry Funk, for ages, we've heard things from Mick Foley and other people that you know he's been sick, he's in nine assisted care living, his wife passed away a few years ago. So it's one of those things where it's like, oh, you know, it's 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 near time. So it's kind of like we're kind of prepared for it, even though when it happened, we, you, you're still never ready. No matter how much you think you can prepare yourself for something, you're never ready. And then with Bray Wyatt, I was doing a stream when I, when I found out. And I was like, no, because we've been waiting for him to come back because he's been on this journey. We've been reporting SmackDown since last year, since we, we come together last autumn. And that's right around the time when Bray Wyatt returned. And we've been talking about his feud with LA Knight and... and we saw this run as a redemption run because his run got cut short during COVID times. He got let go. And that was during a time when The Fiend wasn't used correctly and it had a bad sour taste. But like myself and Tempest and all the, all the, all the fans, we wanted him to come back and to finish his story, to finish his journey. And it, it looked like he was about, about to do that. You know, he did the Royal Rumble. It was, you know, it was quite polarizing. But at the same time, I've always said it's better to try than not to try out all. And I was like, listen, the story's still to go. WrestleMania's coming up. Okay, he's facing Bobby Lashley, random, whatever. But it never happened. And we've been waiting for his return and now it's not going to happen. But he left us with so much great memories, so much memories of him to, to remember him by and to talk about. And I hope we can do him justice and everyone else that loves him justice and everyone that loves Terry Funk justice. That is very well said. Yeah, there's. it's been a few days now, and there's still just no... There's never any way to process any of this, you know? Mm -hmm. I, I still feel... I feel the exact same way that, that you've said, you know, where you never really are prepared for, for any of these things, whether, you know, you might, quote-unquote, see it coming a little bit more than, than others. But no matter what, these things just... They come out of nowhere, and you, you, can't, you can't expect something like this to happen and it really does just rock you to your core 
I mean, I've said my piece either in the the news video yesterday or or on Twitter. Um, I mean, my my heart goes out to to the family, to to JoJo and 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 Wyndham's kids, and everything. It's it's horrible. I, I there, there's no it, it's it's. I don't know. Again, I'm at a loss for words. I would like to try and take this time to remember some of the the great Bray Wyatt or Terry Funk moments. Because all this is kind of getting lumped into one conversation for sure. Mm-hmm. Because it's so wild that no matter what, through these years of of people coming and going and watching wrestling, it seemed that no matter how into the product any of the people that I would talk to would be, whether that would be, you know, people in the office or, you know, my high school friends or whatever, they all got really into Bray Wyatt. And don't get me wrong, these people were not, like, oblivious to the the highs and lows of, of Wyatt's career, like, Obviously, it's well documented how some of these characters were were handled in the end. Mm-hmm. But I do think that a point that you touched on is one of the more important aspects of all of this. And that's that this feeling of creativity and trying things is something that should be celebrated. Amen. Because... Creativity, imagination, these are the type of things that I, I think are, you know, the, the, among the most important things that we as humans have on this earth. Just the idea of being able to come up with ideas, creative ideas, imaginative ideas, things that other people haven't thought of before. Because you can do the same things over and over again. Of they course. will work a thousand times over. But to th- come up with something new... It might not work 100% of the time. It might not all work. But I will absolutely give you credit for trying. Amen. I will absolutely give you try uh, credit for going out there and trying to do something new. So whether that be his original cult leader gimmick, which personally has always been my favorite of the iterations of Bray Wyatt, whether that be, you know, the Fiend and the Mr. Rogers Bray, which I think most people would look at as his most creative endeavor, definitely the Mm -hmm. most different creative endeavor that he'd had, or whether that be his most recent run with Uncle Howdy that we never got to see, you know, culminate, which again, may have been divisive, but regardless of how it was received, there was never anything on the show quite like Bray Wyatt. Yeah. And that, to me, is so important, should be celebrated, because we talk a lot about wrestling, mm-hmm. and we talk a lot about matches feeling the same, wrestlers feeling the same, what people can do to set themselves apart. You never needed to have that conversation when it, ha- when it came to Bray Wyatt. Like him, dislike him, love his matches, hate his matches, whatever. You always remembered that because he was always a very creative individual who would go out there and try something new. I think that should be the the big takeaway from from all of this. 
is to have just the ability to go out there and try and fail, but to go out there and try and then try again. So the thing is, uh, I've been following uh, Bray Wyatt's career from the beginning. I, Me being a wrestling nerd, I used to do research on wrestling families. And to my giddy uh, realization, IRS is the brother-in-law of, of uh, Barry Windham, uh, so um, Bray Wyatt's mum. So finding out that, you know, you, you know, when you look on the Wikipedia entries, like, oh, okay, Iris has got two kids. One name's Wyndham Rotunda. And I was like, that is so cool. So I started researching Wyndham Rotunda's playing college football. That's how far back it goes. That's how far back I've been following his career. I did the same with Roman Reigns, Joe Ananawi, you know, you know, American football. I did the same with Animal Son from Legion of Doom, Joe Laurinaitis' uh, son. Like he, he, he's a, doing American football. I follow, that's how nerdy I am when it comes to wrestlers. I, 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 I track who could be the potential second or third generation wrestler and then he signed with FCW and at that time if I'm trying to remember if it was him or Bo Dallas aka Taylor Rotondo that started before because I really knew that Taylor was teaming up with uh, Joe Hennig uh, Curtis Axel in FCW because that's that's how far I was going I used to follow developmental I used to go on YouTube being from the UK we don't have Florida TV but I used to go on YouTube check out whatever upload they had and then um Wyndham Rotunda became Duke Rotunda. He was in a tag team with with Bo Rotunda, you know, with Bo Dallas, later Bo Dallas. They became FCW tag team champions. And at that point, uh, Duke Rotunda uh, had blonde hair, yeah, long blonde hair. And I was like, hmm, the Rotunda brothers are going to come to the main roster. They're going to be a tag team. And next thing you know, um, Husky Harris appears on NXT. <laughs> so Duke Rotunda, they no, no longer having the bleach blonde hair. Wearing trunks, because when I used to see him in FCW, he, he had tights, he had kind of like a leather vest jacket on, so you never used to see his body. But all of a sudden, you got a guy whose body more or less resembles more like an 80s wrestler, because in the 21st century, for some weird reason, every wrestler from developmental had a cookie cutter, six-pack abs, look like Ken dolls. But when you saw Husky Harris, who's a throwback, he was was it Ferrari tank? Was it Ferrari tank engine? That's what he used to call himself. If the Ferrari, it was tank. like yeah, tank body Ferrari engine. Or yes, something like yes. That. And he was Cody Rhodes. Um, I want to say it's Cody Rhodes's uh, junior. Like I don't know what the name he used to rookie. call it. Rookie. That's yeah. it. Was he was NXT his rookie. Rookies. NXT rookies. Yeah. So I was kind of like rooting for him because for me, it's like, oh, I've been, you know, I've been watching that career. Oh my gosh, Husky Harris. And obviously in NXT, he didn't win. But then New Nexus, he debuted with, with uh, Michael McGillicutty. Worst name ever. Why not be Joe Hennig? So they both joined New Nexus. They're kind of a tag team. And again, because they're, they're children of wrestlers I grew up with, I kind of felt like a special affinity for them. But obviously that didn't work out. He got punted in the hand by Randy Orton and he was gone. And then I hear that um, Duke Rotundo is now back in FCW trying a new character called Axel Mulligan. And in that character, he's wearing like a slasher style mask. It's almost like a hockey mask similar to Jason, but it's a bit like silvery. It was and, like a Slipknot mask. Yeah, it's a Slipknot mask mask and he was wearing like a rock star t-shirt and jeans that was that was a character he was trying up briefly and I thought ooh I was like this is like uh, a, a cross between Abyss and Mankind oh I'm looking forward to it and then a few months later the character was scrapped back to being Duke Rotunda again I was like oh okay I guess that's gone and then all of a sudden there was like a promo in FCW you see Eli Cottonwood famous for his mustache promo yep. uh, flanking behind 
Duke Rotunda, but no longer, no longer Duke Rotunda. He's now Bray Wyatt. He's got a Hawaiian shirt. He's got the hat. And I was buzzing and giddy because I have a special affinity for the Waylon Mercy character. I was a kid when Waylon Mercy was around, but I didn't really uh, pay that much attention. It wasn't too later when I was growing up. I'm on the websites, the Ring the Bell, the Wrestle Crap stuff. Uh, I, and I start looking at old videos. I was like, you know what? Waylon Mercy was a cool character. I love the concept of a wrestler that's, Seemingly babyface, but when the bell rings, is a, is a sadistic sob. But uh, Waylon Mercy's car- um, uh, career didn't last long in WWE. Had back injuries, so uh, that that was over. So the character never realized his full potential. Then I read years down later on WrestleCrap that they were going to bring back the character with Bobby Cannon when Bobby Cannon was an OVW. Because Bobby Cannon was a huge fan of Waylon Mercy. Uh, so he wanted to bring the character back and he even got Waylon Mercy's blessing to bring that character back. So... Bobby Cannon to start doing promos in OVW, trying to get it happen. And then the main roster was like, hey, Bobby Cannon, we need you to be John Cena's second. You're now B squared. <laughs> <laughs> Typical WWE. You got yep. this character. Oh, this is going to be great. Forget that. You're going to say booyah. So that didn't happen. So for me, since I was a kid, I was on forums. I'm like, man, they need to bring back. For me, I've always been bring back Doink as a different character. Because I feel like a character like Doink can exist today. It can be like a Batman thing. You can always have a younger wrestler doing a new iteration of a character. And I was like, bring back a Waylon Mercy style character. So when I saw Bray Wyatt, I was like, this is fantastic. This is like someone finally fulfilling the prophecy of what Waylon Mercy could have been. But it wasn't a carbon copy. That's where the similarity ends. The Hawaiian shirt and the hat and the, and the pants is, is where the sim- similarity ends. He was playing a cult leader character and I was so happy because I've always been a fan of cult leader-esque characters dating back with Raven in ECW and even when Raven wanted to do the Seven Deadly Sins uh, character storyline, which he never got to do to fruition. So for me, it was like, this is great to see. And then, you know, in FCW, it became NXT. It's got Harper, got Rowan. They do well. They become tag team champions in, in NXT. They go to the main roster. I mean, the rest is history. Everyone saw the run from there. But I just wanted to take you back to my history of watching Wyndham Rotunda, which goes way back because I've been following his career from the beginning. And highs or lows he gave us memories man he gave us great moments promos are so cerebral um i love the fact that he was a cult leader who believed he was a god he was so megalomaniacal that original character the only issue we had in this generation is that he lost too much it's like you can't do a promo like that and lose so it wasn't his fault that they never gave him that victory over john cena because a lot of people say that was make or break for the character but he did his best to make it work you know i'm gonna stop talking now i let you know tempest say some peace because you know it's a two-person podcast and uh, i want (laughs) want you to say your piece go off go off it's (sighs) it's good stuff like it it i don't even know where to where to go from from there really because like my my introduction with the the bray wyatt character because i wasn't watching nxt back in like the 2013 era mm. it was just before i started tuning into certain things like you know when they did the the Sami Zayn cesaro two out of three falls Oof, match yeah. i think that was like in the fall of that year and i went to a raw house show in like february or march of 2013 and this is when uh the shield was was on these shows they were doing the shield against john cena and ryback in the main event and going to a dq because they wouldn't beat the shield which is bonkers to think about today 
But on that show, I remember a guy coming out and doing a kind of like, not a spooky promo, but like a promo with a very different vibe, yeah. a character promo. And he came out, and I forget who exactly he faced. Might have been uh, Curtis Axel. Might have been, you know. Although I guess it wouldn't have been Curtis Axel. Wouldn't have redebuted yet either. It was somebody, mm. you know, some mid card guy. Maybe a Zack Ryder, Justin Gabriel, or somebody like that. And I was really interested in it because that was the first time I was seeing this character. I wish we got to see more of those kind of like those sneak peeks at main roster guys when they just come up and start doing a loop mm. doing the house show loop which is just something that i feel like we've lost since then but regardless it was really interesting and of course i recognized i was like is that husky harris because i recognized the tattoos and stuff mm. and sure enough he comes to tv and i was always so enamored with the cult leader character because wh where they lost me after that is you know I i've said my piece before on you know uh, spooky stuff in, in wrestling and, and stuff, uh, whether I can believe that something's going on or, or not, mm. to some level anyway. But the cult leader character was so different from anything else that came afterwards. And it was so interesting because there wasn't a supernatural element to it like at first. No. It got there fairly quickly. But there wasn't a supernatural element to it. It was just that this guy was a silver-tongued devil. Mm-hmm and could make people believe him, which is so much scarier to me than, uh, you know, uh, uh, supernatural mm -hmm. things that, that came later, just because this guy had the power of belief on his side. And that was so fun, so fun to play with, whether it was, you know, the, the Brian Danielson, Daniel Bryan moment where the turn happens in the cage and Danielson has the, the big yes moment on top and that led to their really good match at the Royal Rumble that year. Or whether it be the, the Eminem legacy promo going into WrestleMania 30, which is still like probably top five video packages for me all time in WWE. Like, it's fantastic. I want to watch it. I, I meant to watch it last night, but I was busy. And I want to watch it today because that just perfectly captures what I loved about that character. And I think you're right. You know, I think if they hadn't gone and beaten Bray Wyatt as often as they did, I think there's a real chance he could have stepped up and been that Undertaker replacement guy that a lot of people always kind of fantasy booked him to be. Him going in to face the Undertaker at WrestleMania would have been that much bigger, the new face of fear stuff yeah. that they really highlighted on this show as well. That was all stuff that really could have worked. They got further away from the character. And I mean, one of the things that the undertaker got right in those early days is he never goddamn lost. They didn't quite get that uh, memo when they were translating over, but regardless, it was a really interesting time to have a new character hit TV that wasn't coming from somewhere else, mm. you know, because this was right around when Bray Wyatt showed up on TV. This was right around the time where, you know, people from 
outside WWE were starting to come in and not have, well, they might have had their, their names changed, but they were coming in with some buzz, yeah. some buzz off the indies. You know, Danielson was, was becoming WWE champion shortly after that. You know, CM Punk was obviously his guy. Low key. Come Low on. key had come and gone, but you had like, you know, Sami Zayn was in NXT. That was exciting. The Shield had appeared on the main roster at that point. So mm -hmm. you had your Seth Rollins, your Dean Ambrose, guys that people were kind of hyped to come in and see. This was someone that you got to be introduced to like from scratch, that this was just a brand new character. Let us tell you who this is. Let him tell you who this is. And it was so refreshing at the time to just be able to sit back and go in with a completely clean slate and have such an interesting and, again, creative character be put to screen. But, actually, it was actually difficult in the beginning. Uh, going back to when Lord Tensai began, uh, came back to WWE, because in Newman's Albert, people chanted Albert. Mm -hmm. Same thing happened to Bray Wyatt. Oh, yeah. Chance. I, I was trying to avoid it, but yeah. Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. no, as much as, because we're going to eulogize the career, but also at the same time, yeah, to show you how he overcame. Because for a lot yeah. of people, they don't overcome it, right? Yeah. That's it. Like, right back at Goldberg chance. There's certain wrestlers that have these chants that persist. But of course, first impression is key. People, for some weird reason, it's because he was introduced to something different. It was hard for them to buy it. Like, no, nah, man, you were here before. You're the next. No, you're the Nexus guy. No, you're, you're Husky Harris. So, you know, fans being snarky, being smarky, they didn't want him to forget. But after a few shows, a few matches, I feel like after the Ring of Fire match, mm -hmm. those chants started to dissipate and go away. I think once you got a full grasp of what the character was, th those chants weren't going to last. Especially, you know... Um, follow the buzzards you know when he started doing some cool catchphrases you you fell in love with the character but you brought up something that made me go ah the bray white cult leader character in nxt was more grounded correct that he sister abigail was this mythical entity who talk about so that's as close as you get in terms of otherworldly in terms of his promos but he didn't do anything else that was spooky he had the lantern yes you know which he used to blow out <laughs> But it wasn't until his first feud, which was with Kane, I guess it was informing the fans that this, this guy is going to take the torch from Kane and The Undertaker. Because in the early feuds of the Wyatt family, they did feud with the Brothers of Destruction where they did the storyline where, where he absorbed their entrance powers. Yep. Right? Yep. So that's when he became spooky. Because you said that you're like, he was grounded until he wasn't. That's when he wasn't grounded anymore. That's when he started calling himself God. That's when he was like, he's God, but trapped in the body of this cult leader and of this of this man. And that's when it changed. That's when, you know, it stopped breaking away from reality. But me being a late golden era child, I grew up with the Papa Shango's. <laughs> I grew up with Undertaker. I grew up with, you know, larger than life gimmicks. I'm always, always forgiven or always happy to look the other way for when it comes to spooky stuff. Because I'm like, I feel like there's a space for everything. And Bray Wyatt was doing well with it. But like we said, it's hard for to be a heel and to be undefeated. But then you look at Roman Reigns. It's just like how they, it's, it's, it's the era where Cena was winning all the time. It was, it was the era where it, 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 they didn't really know how to book new wrestlers to their full potential. And I feel like Bray Wyatt suffered because whoever was booking at the time, because I don't want to throw out Vince, it's easy to say Vince, 
you know, is his company. He's the one that says yes or no. How they booked Bray Wyatt wasn't to our satisfactory. And how Bray would do the rebuttal to losing the feud was also annoying because he Bray, Bray did his thing where he would laugh it off. And we're like, don't laugh it off. You mm-hmm. lost the match. Get in there. Bray's thing was he would never let things get to him. But for us being his fans, it would get to us. We're like, no, Bray, you shouldn't have lost <laughs> this. Why are you smiling and doing ha 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 ha? Seeing I'm going to get you, I'm going to hurt you. Like, but no, Bray. But, you know, that's what the frustrating thing was. And that's where the character ended up dying when Matt Hardy, he became Matt Hardy's friend. And it's easy today to dunk on Matt Hardy, which I would never do. The guy's a legend. But broken Matt Hardy, woken to a degree. It's like Diet Coke version of broken Matt Hardy. That was an over gimmick. And that was also a dream match for for a lot of people, having broken Matt Hardy versus Bray Wyatt. And, And it happened. But it happened during a time where the Bray Wyatt character was in the twilight because it's falling so hard to the point where we were ready for something different. We didn't know he would do something different because we he had no track record before the change that he he's he's that type of person. But he went to that lake of reincarnation. He got this new, whatever spiritual being that wasn't Sister Abigail, because we, we, we're glossing over the fact that he was going to be Sister Abigail against Pumpkin Demon. Yeah. <laughs> and in an alternative multiverse, we would have seen Sister Abigail. And to this day, I'm going to ask you, Tempest, Sister Abigail, are you happy it never became a physical entity? Or did you were you one of those people that wanted a a female to portray Sister Abigail? I think I am happier the way that it's been. I think to me, it's one of those things where you can't do that twice. If like if it doesn't come out exactly the way people want it, and everybody had such different concepts in their head for what Sister Abigail, the character, would end up being if it ever got put to TV that you wouldn't be able to satisfy everybody, no matter how well the story was done, I think. And even if it was done to perfection, I think it's so much more interesting just to have that thing that you hear about and that exists beyond what we see. Mm. It's this motivation and this character through line for Bray Wyatt that we are not privy to. He may tell us about it, but we don't actually get to see. There's more of a mystique to it that way. I, th- I think I would have preferred to just never see it. And Bingo, because that's the thing. I've, I watch a lot of, um, you know, fantasy TV shows. And my take on it was Sister Abigail is the one that found the cult, which Bray Wyatt later took over. Sister Abigail is the one that welcomed Bray Wyatt into the family. Sister Abigail passed away, but Sister Abigail was enshrined by Bray. It's kind of like her message, her words lived through him. Mm-hmm. That's what I took away from it. And you're right. Had we had a physical Sister Abigail, it would have taken away from what everyone else's fantasy was Sister Abigail is. Because the, the fantastic thing about Sister Abigail is it meant something different to everyone that was glued to the screen when Braille, Braille was talking. Some people in the physical manifestation of it, but us being us, we can never be satisfied. No, mm-hmm. Sister Abigail needs to be like, Sister Abigail needs to be blonde. No, she needs red hair. No, Sister Abigail should be, you know you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So it was good that it, because if you had a Sister Abigail, it would have taken away from Bray. You know what I mean? What made Bray unique? It would have went away because he's now sharing a spotlight with his Sister Abigail because it would have ruined what the mystique is almost like, uh, again, you know me, I love my references. Uh, when Undertaker started referring to the higher power, how a power. <laughs> <laughs> so when the higher power became a physical thing, everyone was disappointed. But before that, it's that mystery. Who is making Undertaker do this crazy stuff? So the same thing with Bray Wyatt. That was the motivation. So I loved it with the, with the feud with, with Randy Orton. 
that for me made the whole thing come ahead about Sister Abigail. Sister Abigail's bones are buried in the compound. I was like, that is great. That's where the power comes from. And as much as as the uh, as this, uh, as as much as the feud with Randy Orton has had his ups and downs, I'll never forget the great uh, segments we had when Bray, uh, when uh, Randy Orton infiltrated <laughs> the Wyatt family. Everyone can see. It. We can all see it. Bloody heck, Luke Harper can see it. This guy <laughs> could not be trusted, but it was Bray's ego. Bray thinking, I've got a rival of mine to see my way. It was Bray's ego that was his downfall. The cult leader's downfall was his ego. Luke Harper's like, no, 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 no. But this guy, he's no good. He's like, no, 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 no. You're just being jealous. <laughs> and I love how the storyline was going. And I love when Randy Orton finally showed his, his true colors and he burnt down the compound, you know, upheld uh, the, the, the burial ground of Sister Abigail. For me, it was it was a brilliant way to end that journey, that character's journey. And like I said, the Matt Hardy stuff. But when he came back as the as the Mr. Rogers, Bray Wyatt, what was your um, first take on when you saw that version of Bray Wyatt, the, ch the children's TV character Bray Wyatt? It was interesting. It was, an, it was a reaction where I didn't know what the longevity of it, what the point of it was going to end up being mm. because it was, and ultimately I don't know if we ever really got, you know, to where it, it should have been because the character then changed and was burned alive and became just a crispy corpse and such. But at, at first there was a level of meta wrestling going on with the character that, we just didn't see in WWE, especially in 2019. And I was probably a little bit jaded at the time because you got to remember that this is 2019. The state of WWE in 2019 was especially rubbish mm. where, you know, you this was the era of you got to do uh, two out of three falls matches on every show so we can have a oh. two minute fall, a two minute fall so we can avoid wrestling and commercials. Raw Dark, the wild card rule is when Brock beat Kofi. It's a rubbish time for WWE. One of the worst ever in their history. But in the middle of all that was this little gem that I probably didn't appreciate enough at the time because there was so much thought and creativity put into the early days of The Fiend and, by extension, the Mr. Rogers Bray. Because I still think the the debut of The Fiend at, at SummerSlam, after all of that buildup, after just seeing the, the clown face for a flash on one of those uh, episodes of Mr. Rogers, to then follow that and, you know, have him appear in the ring on Raw and then eventually wrestle Finn Balor at, at SummerSlam... Being there for that match, that's one of the ones that comes up in conversation the most. I was like, oh, what's the greatest things that you, you've ever seen? Getting to see that, that first run, all the way up until then, what happened afterwards, maybe not so much, but mm. that first run up to the debut, I don't know that they could have done it any better. It reminded me of, again, my reference point, I, grew, and I feel like, uh, the original version of Kane, what they did so right is they had like a slasher mentality because that's the same kind of inspiration that Bray Wyatt had for The Fiend. It was like a slasher character. I love when the lights go out. You're having a wrestling match, wherever it is, and then the lights go out. 
then the, then the lights come on. Well, for 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 Kane it was the uh, the red lights and the music starts and it's like get out of the ring for some weird reason. Yeah. The legs are paralyzed. They're not leaving the ring because I would say if it was me in the ring, I would have a chair, a fire extinguisher. If I was a coward, I'd just run away, get in a taxi and leave. But yes, uh, the fiend had a similar element where the lights. The, I love the way the lights went out because it wasn't similar to Kane. Kane's one was just boom, lights go out. The music starts and it turns red and that's the creepy element. With Bray Wyatt, it was like one light goes out. The other light goes out and the last light go out and that ominous... And then you hear the shrieking sound. That shrieking sound that only allegedly the Bray Wyatt can hear because uh, that's what Fiend used to do. He used to cover his ears because he can hear the screams. That's what's rallying him up. The screams is what's rallying him up. And then he'll come out maybe cutting underneath the ring. He'll slowly creep up behind you. Then he'll beat you up. It wasn't too after he attacked Mick Foley, that's when he inherited the Manable Claw. But like you said, up until probably he challenged for the Universal title, because to this day, everyone can universally agree it was too quick. Because some people said, oh, a character like The Fiend shouldn't need a title. Listen, you're, you're in wrestling for a reason. We've been trained that the world title is like the epicenter. It's, it's the pinnacle of why you watch something. So obviously someone for like Bray Wyatt, in his mind, yeah, I don't want the championship glory, but by having it, I can control my opponents. It's a way to manipulate. It's kind of like, you want this, if you want this belt, you have to give through me. He could have been a final boss type character. It's just that it was just too quick. It's kind of like, again, if Kane debuted and he wrestled uh, Austin really quickly, it's like, we haven't seen the character develop enough. The issue was the character, the Fiend character wasn't fully fleshed yet. It was still in the beginning stages where it's kind of like a horror film. Okay, uh, the killer's, killed the first victim and now we're in the end of the film whoa 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 whoa, whoa. where's the groundwork you know what i'm saying so that was the issue the issue wasn't that he, he challenged for the title the issue was how quick it was it should have been a case of break kills uh um kills a strong word for youtube <laughs> bray demolishes all of his opponents because the whole thing was he was getting revenge for what happened to cult leader bray because cult leader bray got embarrassed to the point where he was ineffective the fiend was the revenge revenge on all the people that did him wrong it should have been whoever was the champion would be lost mm -hmm. he should have went through all of the people that did you know all the, the, the randy orton's the john cena's uh you know, Finn Balor, because the Sister Abigail situation. There's so many wrestlers that he could have went through first that had it been WrestleMania, save Roman, because we all know the Roman would have been champion. Save Roman, the history in the Shield, the one-on-one -on -one feuds, the brief alliance before he got injured. They could have they could have saved that uh, Fiend and Roman feud for, we know COVID would have happened and Fiend wouldn't have gotten, uh, he probably would have gotten Drew or Big Show, I don't know, someone... <laughs> But what, we, what I'm trying to say is the Fiend character had so much legs in it and they demolished it by having Goldberg beat him. Because yes, he got the title. He feuded with The Miz. I didn't mind the, the Miz feud. It's just that The Miz had a, such a subpar feud with Shane McMahon that it was quite hard for everyone else to cheer because he lost to Shane multiple times. So him, so Miz as a baby face was quite hard to get into. It's kind of like, in your mind, you want a gallant hero. In your mind, you're like, you can't even beat Shane. How am I meant to believe you can beat The Fiend? But I did like when The Fiend was harassing the Miz's family. It was a great way to get you to empathize because I knew someone like Tempest here was not going to empathize with The Miz. But family, if you mess with family, Tempest, 
just gonna hate you for that. So they tried the family angle. For me, it worked. And I loved it how it bled over to Daniel Bryan. And Daniel Bryan and The Miz have all this history. And it was kind of unlike, unlikely strange bedfellows. Because they're both family men, they both did this temporary truce of trying to take down The Fiend. I liked portions of that, fiend, of, of that feud. The execution of, of it was always sometimes, you know, murky. But I, like I said, I always appreciate them trying stuff. Sometimes you say that the Bray Wyatt fan was too much into his character work, so he, he didn't flesh out what he can do in the ring. You know, it is where it is. But when it comes to all the character stuff, I could talk about it for days. The video essays, I like what Laurie did when he broke it down in Parts of Unknown, talking about the characters. One of my favorite video essays. I remember when I first met Laurie, I went to him, dude, I loved your breakdown on, on, the, on The Fiend. And I love how, you know, this channel director helped, you know, get this on, 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 the, on the ball, you know, on the mark. <laughs> Indeed, indeed. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too. Like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable, too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. I think we'll we'll go through some of the matches yes, of here, course. yeah, because um, there was a there was a show here as well, um, and we'll get to the Terry Funk section as well mm. uh, because the the opening match here was Rey Mysterio versus Grayson Waller, and this was I guess spawned out of the Grayson Waller effect that we saw, and Rey Mysterio 
took a lot of this match. He was in control for a good portion of it. Grayson Waller hit his like flipping unprettier thing that he, I like he that. does. I like that move. Um, but ultimately, this was a Rey Mysterio match. And at one point, Austin Theory came down. His music hits. He comes down and is distracting Rey Mysterio. And Santos Escobar runs down, hits him from behind. They kind of fight a little bit. And Austin Theory takes out Escobar's injured knee with a chop block. Rey Mysterio eventually hits the sliding drop kick on uh, Austin Theory and then hits the 619 and the splash on Grayson Waller for the win. There's, again, not much to it, but of the, the matches on here, this advanced uh, the, the deal that we've got going on where Austin Theory is the number one contender for the U.S. title. Rey Mysterio, of course, is the U.S. champion. So uh, there's nothing really to complain about here except for one thing, and that's mm -hmm. I think Grayson Waller should like wear elbow pads or something. He had naked arms on this one, and I found it distracting. You're like me. This is this is why we're so <laughs> brothers. I'm 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 a stickler for wrestling gear. I'm such a nerd. I'm one of those guys. He had white wristbands. Now he's got black wristbands. Then he mm -hmm. had elbow pads. Okay, Grayson Waller. His gear took me a while to get used to. I love Mark Merrow's boxing gear because that's his character. Grayson Waller's background is he's got a boxing background. That's why he wears the shorts. He had a baggier shorts in NXT, which I'm happy he got rid of. I love the one he's wearing now, but I'm with you. I'm happy he got rid of the, of the gloves. I didn't like the gloves he was wearing. It kind of made him look a bit like a cheap indie wrestler. Sorry, guys. I like the elbow pads. Uh, you know, it's a throwback to the rock and other wrestlers that wear elbow pads. Owen Hart used to wear elbow pads as well. I like, yeah, I'm like, elbow pads, yeah, it's nice. It, it kind of, you know, makes him look protected. It, it doesn't look like he's half-dressed. Mm -hmm. He didn't have it today. So you're like, oh, dude, you look half-dressed in your gear. Wear the elbow pads, two elbow pads or one elbow pads. Any elbow pads. A pad, please. Uh, my issue is uh, Grayson Waller is uh, has a losing streak since he started wrestling in on the main roster, because Grayson Waller of NXT was deadly. He was he was one of the most protected wrestlers in all of NXT. He rarely lost. He even beat up his uh, uh, bodyguard, which, which was Sanga of of Indusheer. Sanga of the Thunder. Yes. So in NXT. Grayson was well protected. He actually was mouthy and it could back it up. Frustrating. It was frustrating because he had a feud with LA Knight in NXT, which LA Knight never won. That's how um, undefeated or how revered or feared uh, Grayson Waller was. He was so good to the point when he became number one contender for an NXT title, you believe he could win because he was winning all the time. But since he came to the main roster, they've kind of given him the similar uh, LA Knight type push of like, you've got mouth, but you can't back it up thing. And you have to give him wins because you're conditioning people to see him as a loser, which you don't want. Grayson Waller has got potential to become a, a main eventer for the company. So I didn't like that. Give him a victory soon. Uh, LWO stuff. I love what they're doing with Ray and, and Santos and to a degree Zelina. But Joaquin, Cruz, come on, guys. There's more members of LWO that need the love. Spread the love. Because it comes to a point, yeah, you'll be mistaken to think there's only three members of LWO because they're the three that it gets mentioned and pushed the most. Do something with Santos. Do something, I'm sorry, do something with Cruz and Joaquin. They're a tag team. We need more tag team matches. Put them in there and show the world what they can do. It's tough when you don't have tag belts on this show anymore, <sighs> but what can you do? Uh, next up, we had one of the only, I think the only backstage segment on this show as Kayla asked Damage Control about the upcoming match and Bailey just cut a hell of a promo putting over EO Sky, like just saying that she's a, a once in a lifetime uh, talent, a once in a, gener a generational talent. Bingo. She's a former NXT champion, former half of the women's tag champion. Mm -hmm current WWE women's champion 
I was like, God damn, they're really putting this over. Like, let's go. I'm with it. Mm. And they go out to the ring, and EO Sky defends the women's title against Zelina Vega. And I liked how they set up this match because I really like that Zelina Vega gets a title shot because she beat someone who mm-hmm. eventually became champion. Mm-hmm. You can argue about whether or not that's how it would work and blah, blah, blah. I don't really care. Fact of the matter is, that's how they do it in New Japan. And Bingo. I'm used to it. And I'm used to seeing it done well. So I'm a little bit more welcoming of that style of booking. You know, there's loads of examples of it. Like Cody Rhodes beat Kenny Omega at Ring of Honor, Supercard of Honor, before Kenny won the IWGP heavyweight title. And therefore, that was his first challenger. Like, it makes sense. It makes wins and losses feel like they matter a little bit more. Because not only, it keeps you from having to beat the champion in order to get a title shot, which never makes sense to me. But if you beat someone who goes on to be champion, you have an argument that you should be someone who's in line for a title shot. So I really like that. That's good stuff. This match, again, was was you know pretty good stuff. And there was still no Shotzi. Yeah. It's a few weeks in a row. I said in the uh, news episode today that I'm not going to hold that against this episode of SmackDown if they don't do a ton of angles or mm-hmm. anything like that to further things because this was a, a show where the entire script was thrown out because they had other things on their mind, understandably. So I'll give it another week or so before I uh, start to really ponder whether we see Shotzi or whether she got a haircut for nothing. But ultimately, this was a clean win for for EO Sky, really. Mm-hmm. And as someone who went on here and bitched and moaned a week ago about EO Sky never winning matches this year, I'm glad to see that she got one. Oh, yeah. Same here. I'm happy that EO won the match. I'm happy that everything is fine with damage control, guys. Everything is fine. The tease of them breaking up seems to have died out since EO has won the title and restored the respect that damage control needs. Even though someone mentioned that, I think damage control has got 80% loss record. <laughs> someone on, on the app for, formerly known as Twitter said that uh, uh, damage control has probably won 20% of the match. I'm like, what? That's not true. But yeah, Um Hopefully Shotzi appears next week. Um, the, the, the solace I had was they she was featured in the video package, which yeah. showcased Zelina I, That winning. made me think she was going to be there. But, yeah. 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 Next up, we had Cody Rhodes coming out for a tribute promo for Terry Funk and Bray Wyatt, but mm. mostly Terry Funk. This is where the Terry Funk memorial tribute section of the show took place where he came out and he told a story about walking around with his dad and hearing someone call him an insult that he'd never heard before and it was terry funk calling dusty an egg-sucking dog and if you've watched terry funk matches that's pretty par for the course and he says that there have been loads and loads and loads of names that they have had getting into the ring whether it's sports entertainers wwe superstars pro wrestlers carnies etc. But Terry Funk and Bray Wyatt both earned the right to be called Cowboys. And they play a very nice video package for Terry Funk. Loads of interviews that, you know, date back over the last 15 years or so. Ric Flair and Mick Foley and everyone you could think of that would have been closely associated with Terry Funk. And it was wonderfully done. Again, another of their best. And they come back from that, and Cody says that next up, we are going to see a Terry Funk hardcore tag team match. 
And that match was between the Brawling Brutes and the Street Profits, the new Vicious Street Profits, of course. And then first, before we get to the match, I really did like that Cody has totally come into his own. Like, it's not news or anything, Mm. but Cody has come into his own as the top babyface of this company to the point where he is the guy that gets called upon to go out to the ring and cut the promo on the tribute show. Bingo. You know, you look at the different people who over the years have filled that role, whether it's, you know, Batista coming out on the SmackDown to talk about Eddie Guerrero and and things like that. It's reserved for the tippy top of the card guys. And right now, Cody Rhodes is that guy. Yes, he is. And someone on the app, formerly known as Twitter, that's what I'm going to keep calling it, because if I say X, it kind of derails everything I want to say. Um, Someone mentioned that uh, Cody Rhodes has the unfortunate distinction of being part of Brody Lee's uh, tribute show and also being part of this tribute show, which features Bray Wyatt and doing speeches on both shows. So uh, Cody, a class act. I thought I, I thought that his speech was very eloquent, talking about Terry Funk. Terry Funk is is what's great about Terry Funk is everyone's had a Terry Funk in in, in their generation. You as a kid, you've had Terry Funk somehow peripherally there in your life. Uh, from my, my memories of Terry Funk were, so I'm trying to, because I was trying to think about when I first dis- discovered Terry Funk. I think it's mostly his ECW run. I think his ECW run is, is, uh, no, actually not. Royal Rumble 1997 mm-hmm. in the uh, Animal Dome. He was uh, one of the special uh, Rumble uh, entrants. He even got an interview segment. I just saw Terry Funk brawling with uh, Mankind. So that's that was my first introduction. And then you had you know, the whole Chainsaw Charlie thing and stuff like that. Retrospectively, going back, I watched this stuff in ECW, going further, found out he was in 80s uh, WWF, teaming up with Dory Funk as Hoss Funk. Mm-hmm. Well, Dory Funk was Hoss Funk. He was still Terry. And I was fascinated to find he's a second-generation wrestler. That is Dory Funk Sr. He's a former NWA champion, one of the few brothers NWA champions. I think they're probably the only. I could don't quote me on that. So doing my research on Terry I Funk. So. Yeah, doing my that research. That was a fan Quizlemania question like two years ago. Oh, there you go. Whoever the fan is, you're very knowledgeable. And also, oh, um, I watched <laughs> Greg Cherry. Shout out to Greg. Uh, I watched um, the Ric Flair uh, Ultimate Collection DVD, which for mm-hmm. me. What I love about the Ric Flair DVD is because he was champion for a long time, he's basically the whole history of Mid-Atlantic NWA is him. I watched uh, that DVD and Ric Flair had a great match with Ricky Steamboat. And in that match, one of the judges was Terry Funk. Terry Funk coming back from his Hollywood run, he's one of the judges. Ric Flair wins the match. And then Terry Funk comes into the ring to congratulate Ric Flair, but also playfully challenge him for the title. But Ric Flair did something, but I guess at the time he was a heel. So I, I guess I kind of understand it. But Ric Flair went to him, nah, you haven't been around in a while, so you don't get a title shot. That's like if The Rock came back and went, mm-hmm. hey, Cedar, uh, hey, hey, Punk, I want to challenge you. Nah, Dwayne, you haven't been around in, what, eight years? Nah, join the queue. Ric Flair went to him, nah, you haven't been around in a while. I want to face the top 10. You're probably not even the top 11. So I understand why Terry Funk was offended. So Terry Funk did his whole thing where he's feeling, you know, pretending like, oh, I was only joking, man. I was only, bam! <laughs> there wasn't even two seconds. He, he didn't even, he didn't even, he, <laughs> the facade didn't even last long. I was like, damn! He attacked him. And then that smiley demeanor, because that's the great thing about Terry Funk. He's an incredible, as a, as a baby face, he's like this incredible, 
goofy, jolly, uh, gallant baby face. But when he's a heel, he can be a piece of crap filled with venom and bile. And you saw that side of him. He just went sadistic. I'm not good enough, huh? You, was it, he goes, you, was it, you, was it, how was it, he was it, you horse-toothed, banana-nosed. Eddie starts smacking him. Then he power drove him on the table. And the thing I love about Terry Funk when he wrestles, there's an element of reality when he wrestles. He's one of the most polished wrestlers who likes to be unpolished. If yeah. that makes sense. 100%. He, if he wants to have a clean technical match, he can, but he doesn't. He likes to brawl. He likes to be sloppy. He power drove uh, Ric Flair. Ric Flair doing the handstand. That's a funny thing. Ric Flair assisted doing the handstand. Then he power drove him. I want to say through the table, but the table went sideways. And I was like, it had to happen. It's a Terry Funk way of just... Mm-hmm. Everything with kaput. He's on the floor. Ric Flair's on the floor. The table went sideways. But it, it just it just fed more into the sadistic, unhinged character that Terry Funk was. And then he teamed up with um, Gary Hart. He started the JTEX Corp, which include Great Muta and and I think uh, at one point Dick Slater was part of it. The Dragon Master. Uh, there's all these wrestlers that was that was involved in this fight between Ric Flair, who now became a de facto babyface. Uh, the Horseman reunion, which had thing in it but my one of my favorite memories in terms of WCW or NWA was his feud with Ric Flair because I felt like that was at the height of of Terry Funk being the best if someone went to me you know show me an example what's so great about Terry Funk he's this old guy that falls around or does moonsault so you know I was like watch his feud with Ric Flair guys if you've never seen it before uh either watch the Ric Flair uh, uh, DVD or go online you know there's a ways to watch it. That feud, that I quit match he had with mm-hmm. Ric Flair, by the way, that's the match he had. He had an I quit with match with Ric Flair, a fantastic match. The brawling, he brought a side of Ric Flair you don't see often because Ric Flair was was having a career run in 1989. And one of the biggest feuds he had was Terry Funk. And people arguably said that in 1989, the best heel of the, of the entire world was Terry Funk. And also later on, we're talking later on. Uh, he was in WCW as a commissioner. <laughs> he was hardcore champion. He's matching Norman Smiley. So that's more contemporary. That I remember that Terry Funk because I was nine years old. I was watching WCW. He was a, he was the commissioner, and one of my biggest memory is he had a branding iron and he put it on Kevin Ash. This is when um, the the black and silver NWL was feuding with Commissioner Terry Funk, and Terry Funk started a group of legendary wrestlers called the Old Age Outlaws. It was Terry Funk. Arn Anderson, Jimmy Snooker. I want to say Tito Santana made an appearance. I'm not too sure. I can't remember that far. But yeah, they were feuding with the NWO. And then it was a cage match. I forgot who Nash was wrestling. It was the end of the match. Terry Funk came over Branding Iron and he stuck it on Kevin Nash. Well, you see it the week after because WWE have a habit of cutting off the stream when it's actually about <laughs> to happen. But yeah. Terry Funk, we love you, man. Like, RH stuff. He was in the early TNA pay-per-views. I remember he was like the partner for, I want to say, Raven was feuding with uh, The Gathering, which was CM Punk and Julio De Niro. And they had Father James Mitchell in their corner. But uh, Raven could never win with a, a tag team partner get each week. And one of the partners, I think it was Maslin Sandman, because I think Raven was gone for a bit and they were feuding with someone else. And Terry Funk was one of the guests. And Terry Funk had one of those signature moves he did where he would chuck a chair somewhere. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so he chucked the chair I think it was Julio who got the chair in the face and there's that and it's RH MLW the original incarnation MLW is part of it his matches with Steve Carino in ECW um, yeah there's so many things gave the match with Sabu is still the most gruesome match I've ever seen when Sabu glued himself after <laughs> tearing his stomach in that barbed wire match he's done so many crazy matches I can go for hours and hours 
I'm, I don't get paid by the hour. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't get paid by the hour. He's busy with a lot of stuff. But guys, that's my memories of Terry Funk. I wanted to do him proud by mentioning my memories of him. But Terry Funk, you know, we love you. Uh, you live forever. There's so much matches you guys can watch. Shoot interviews is done. Uh, wrestlers that he's inspired, like Eddie Kingston today, Terry, um, Tommy Dreamer back in the days. Uh, there's so many things he did. He put ECW on the map. He was forward thinking. He saw the future. He didn't cling on to to old, you know, to uh, what made what worked for me in the past is what I should do. He changed up his gear to match with what he was doing at the time. There's many versions of Terry Funk. Everyone has a Terry Funk memory. Everyone has a, a version of Terry Funk they remember. Be on the mat as well. Am I booked? <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't say it better myself. Terry Funk in the absolute top tier of greatest wrestlers of all time. And I say that with no exaggeration. He's, he is, the bar is Terry Funk. Terry Funk, I am very sad to have never gotten to meet him, shake his hand, thank him for what he's done. A, a true icon in this in this wrestling business, who we will miss very very much. Mm -hmm. uh, the tag match, of course, that we got that followed Cody Rhodes' promo was, as I said, the Brawling Brutes and the Street Profits. Street Profits still don't have new music, but <clears> maybe, <throat> maybe we'll get there. Um, <clears throat> this <laughs> this match was uh, it was again fine. It's it's not the kind of show where I'm gonna complain about. You know, it wasn't something. hardcore enough. It wasn't hardcore. Some people complaining. I'm like, you know, they gave like, you a table, okay? And I don't, I don't care. It's a tribute show in WWE. I'm not expecting thumbtacks to come out in the brawling brutes match. And I think, in my mind, this is how I, I settled it in, in my head. It's hardcore in spirit. Yeah, sure. We got a, a Terry Funk tribute spot here when uh, Ridge Holland put one of the Street Profits on his uh, on his back and spun him, like did an airplane spin like Terry used to do with a ladder and take people out with the the, the feet and everything. It was a good spot, but the, the crowd didn't really get up for it, unfortunately. It is what it is, but I don't think they knew what, uh, no. what he was going for. Mm -hmm. Bobby Lashley came out halfway through the match and just kind of stood by and watched. And then uh, Butch bumped into him as he was pulling out the table, and they just stared at each other and Yikes. stared at each other and stared at each other. And eventually the Street Profits got the win with their neckbreaker spinebuster combo, which they are calling the Revelation. And they got that through the table, and they got the win. So, again, saw a little match. They're doing little progressions with the Street Profits each week. Um, I'm, I'm happy to see it. There's not a whole lot to it. Um, we had a recap of... The Miz on TMZ, and then LA Knight came out for the main event segment where he cut a promo on The Miz and said that uh, it was, at first, it was the tribute promo for Bray Wyatt, mm. where he talked about how he hadn't gotten emotional until he was seeing the pictures of his kids, and it's just really tough, and, you know... You, you never saw, like, The Rock cry and everything in the Attitude Era, and this was, again, like, something kind of like that, where he's got a very you know, jock-ish manner about himself, you know? Mm -hmm. he, he's the, the cool guy that doesn't break, and this was emotional for him, as you could obviously understand. But he talks about Bray Wyatt, and then he talks about The Miz, and says that The Miz calls him a flash in the pan, but The Miz, his stunt double was better than him. Nobody cared when he was WWE champion all those years ago. Hot diggity dog is he spitting. 
Um, Did you write his promo for him? <laughs> yeah, I might have. I might have. He said that this is uh, getting to the point where he doesn't care where he has to go, whether he comes to SmackDown, where he goes to Raw, he goes to Payback, or if he shows up on TMZ, he'll beat the Miz's ass, and he's going to give the Miz uh, the advice that a wise man once gave him is when you see him, run. Run. Uh, shout out to Bray Wyatt in that sense as well. And then we got our main event of LA Knight and Finn Balor being heralded as, you know, a battle of Bray Wyatt's rivals. Finn Balor, of course, the debut of The Fiend and their rivalry back in 2017. And LA Knight, Bray Wyatt's last opponent. And they had a fine main event. It was a TV main event mm. for a tribute show where, again, there's no angles, nothing. It was just a straight wrestling match where the most popular guy on the show, L.A. Knight, got to have a big win. He hit a, a superplex after leaping to the top rope and followed that up with the BFT, and that was the match. Not a lot to write home about. It's the biggest victory, though. It was the biggest victory that he's had. It's the biggest victory he's had. It's funny that it comes in a week like this where I feel like that sort of thing maybe gets forgotten about mm. uh, after a while, but... They absolutely don't have to stick to that. They can absolutely hype this up going forward as, man, he just beat Finn Balor. He was in the World Heavyweight Championship match at SummerSlam. Yeah. That, that's a big deal. That's the biggest name that he's beaten thus far. We'll see. We will see. But that brought SmackDown to a close. It was, a, it was a, again, a tribute show main event. It was simple. It gave the people what they wanted, a feel-good main event. Where the people that people wanted, the guy that people wanted to cheer got the win. It, and that that's all there, all there really was to it. Yeah, it ended on a, a positive note for the fans. And also in the end, they, the lights went out, the fireflies was on. Yeah, the lights went out kind of like the way the fiend used, the warning when the fiend was coming. So each of the lights went subsequently. Then you had the warning sound and then you had the lantern in the middle of the ring. A little bit of smoke there just to add to the, the spooky elements. And then you, on the Titan Tron, you had a silhouette of Bray Wyatt looking at the Titan Tron. And then you had fans chanting for him saying, you know, thank you, Bray. And uh, yeah, the show was over. And yeah, I mean, it was quite the tribute show, mm. ultimately. <clears throat> Pardon me. Um, it It's, again, a difficult show to review because it wasn't a show meant to be reviewed. You know, yeah. it was just a a show that was an avenue for people to express their love for a man gone too soon. And I think they did a very good job with that. Allegedly online, they did do the the, the eulogy, the tribute to Bray, like the interview segments apparently was done on the website. It's mm. on the YouTube channel. So if you do want to watch it, because I think I saw Top Dollars one uploaded on the app formerly known as Twitter. So I think you can check it on his uh, page or go on the WWE dot com or check on the wwe youtube ch channel there must be some uh, uh tributes on there indeed uh, and that will just about wrap us up here on the wrestle talk podcast but before we go mm. We don't have Pledgehammer shoutouts since it's almost the end of the month, but what we do have is a few leftover Ultra Chats from yesterday's spontaneous uh, podcast, of course, remembering Ray Wyatt. So, uh, Punk Rocks and Soda 
has donated $5 to say, I said it on Twitter earlier, and I'll say it again. The world is a lot darker without his lantern lighting the way. I'm sad he's gone, but the fact that he gets to give Brody a hug gives me some peace. Rest in power, Bray. Uh, Dylan Haggett says, It was incredibly sad news to hear about Bray yesterday. The man it was endlessly creative and undeniably a great mind in the business. I'll never forget the Fiend's debut at SummerSlam 2019. Amen. I'll never forget being there live for it. Uh, Gareth Tootie says, All, I, I recall him encouraging a child to overcome weight struggles, a moment that inspired my own health journey. His theme music and even the muscle man da- dance fuel my gym sessions. Thanks to Bray, I transformed from an insecure hor- horror fan to believing in, I imagine, myself. Um, again, just incredible stuff. And why it will be missed... Uh, donated $5 to say, Tempest, I wish I lived in the UK. I want to give you a big hug. Thank you for all the news, Bray. Uh, Bray will be missed. Well, you got, you got this, this guy to give me a hug for you. So I appreciate it very, very much. I did my best on the news yesterday and, uh, I appreciate all of the kind words that people have had since. That will pretty much bring us to a close, I do imagine. Yes. There's uh, not much left to uh, to say. Fine, positive though. Yes. Tomorrow is not SmackDown, but it is AEW All in London. Yours truly, Sat E Nyangi and Tempest will be there. Yeah. If you do recognize and, and see us, uh, don't be afraid. You can approach us to say hello. <laughs> I do say hello back. In fact, the first time someone ever asked me to take a picture with them, I assumed they I, they wanted me to take a picture of them with someone else. <laughs> he goes, do you want to take a picture? I was like, yeah, sure, I'll take a picture of you guys. No, do you want to be in there? I was like, oh, that's nice of you. I'm not I'm not encouraging you guys to do it, but if you want to, I'm there. <laughs> I'm there. he's there. I'm going to be there with my other half. So it's going to be great in terms of us watching the show. I've never seen a pay-per-view in my life. It's my first time. 80,000 people. What? So yeah, be there. It's going to be a celebration of wrestling, celebration of everything that we love, we love to talk about. I'm going to definitely run into this guy. I'm going to call his ass. I'll be like, mate, where are you? Come and say hello. Come meet my other half. Come. So if you're going to All In, make sure you have a good time. If not, make sure you have a lovely weekend filled with wrestling. Make sure, of course, you comment down below your favorite Bray Wyatt match memory, Terry Funk match memory. Let us know what you think of this tribute show down in the comments below. Until then, I've been Tempest. That's been Sat. And that was SmackDown. Rest in power, Bray Wyatt. We're out of time. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.